Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. First up, LiveView gets a new async feature that's going to be built in. So we have a link to the PR that was merged. This was Chris McCord who created this and merged it in. PR description is add, assign async, and start async. So we presume Chris may be talking about this and other things during his keynote speech at ElixirConf. You know, we're recording this before that's happened, so we will certainly want to follow up with this. From what we can tell, it looks like LiveView gets new and improved abilities for running async tasks. This is frequently something you'd want to do when you're loading extra data. Like, imagine a dashboard, right? You want to load up all this extra data, but in the meantime, you want to show that it's loading and so that you have a placeholder so the screen's not jumping around once the data starts popping in. So this makes it really easy to track that I have a loading state and then have that loading happen. And then once it pops in, it places the loading state and shows the the data. Also includes the ability to cancel loading data and things like that. So it looks really cool. I'm excited to give this a try and play with this. Yeah. And I mean, this is not a new concept. Um, we talked to Andy Glassman back in episode 160 about live view async patterns. And we talked about a couple other things. So like, this is a pattern that has been emerging. So it's really nice to see it become built in because it's so, well, it fits so well with the whole live view thing. <laughs> like continuing to load things in the background seems like a very normal pattern nowadays. So very nifty, love to have it in there. I am looking forward to using it. Implementation-wise, it was actually kind of cool. They implement Enum, mm, yeah. you know, implements the protocol there. So like when it's in a loading state, like it enumerates over the values. And when it's in a loading state, it's just like nothing. That's how they implement that. It was just pretty nifty. Gentle reminder that protocols in Elixir are pretty nifty. <laughs> you should look into them. Yeah, I just want to add that I recently did an article about doing a different type of async with LiveView. And you're right that we've seen this a lot, just different approaches to how to do async operations in LiveView. And it is really cool just to see it codified and saying this is an official way to do it. So we don't have to keep thinking about how we want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like a great built-in solution. And I'm just curious to see like if this solves the problem I was trying to do, if it solves it the way I I want, because if it does, then I'll just have to update it and say, hey, this is how you do it with this new approach. Just take down your article, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just just edit on the top. It's like, never mind, just use this. (laughs) (laughs) Along with this PR, by the way, somewhat related now, you can put your own values into the private space on the socket or the con too, which is kind of nifty because before you'd have to I don't know if you had some like library or whatever that that needed to inject some private variables that wouldn't conflict with the user space. You you kind of have to just hope that nothing broke, <laughs> but name prefix it or something. Yeah, <laughs> like the private area on the the con and the assigns. You kind of had to like just put it in there, like treat it like a map or something. But now there is a put private. I don't know. It's the small things sometimes. All right. Well, moving on. That's that's the big news today. Async features in LiveView. But moving on, we got a new translation library called Kanta. This looks really cool. I I, I really want to use it just, be, just so I can just use it because it looks so good. So Kanta is described as the ultimate open source solution to translations in Elixir Phoenix apps. This includes a dashboard. This works with your PO files. This works with machine learning products such as DeepL. It's exhaustive, like how much this does for you, which is really nice. Here's a quote from them. 
If you're working on Elixir and Phoenix projects and need to manage translations, you know how time-consuming and error-prone it can be, and that's where Kanta comes in. Our tool simplifies the process of managing translations by providing an intuitive interface bar for adding, editing, and deleting translations. Our tool also makes it easy to keep translations up to date as your project evolves. And with Kanta, you can streamline your workflow and focus on building great software, not managing translations. I just had this thought. I wonder if they actually fed it into like chat GPT, like to describe their, their, their project. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> their readme is also like first class. So if you're, if you're looking to like release your own open source library, like just go look at this one and just copy what they did. It's, it's pretty good. So it works with your Git text module. They have their own like supervisor tree. It's a, its own app. Like I said, there's a dashboard to this. So there's a nice dashboard. You can see all the translations there. It will store it in the database the new stuff and it will uh, also cache it so it continues to be quick you can see translation progress and they provide plugins for interacting with deep l for example like i mentioned earlier so that can do deep learning translations for your app so that's really nice and there's also a plugin to write your updated stuff back into the po file so it continues to be static and fast and compiled at that point right anyway if you're in the world of translations, you really ought to check this out. This is uh, put out by Curiosum, looks like, and it's called Kanta. We'll have links in the show notes. Yeah, one thing I want to add to that, we were talking about this before we started recording, was that you can use it on a real-time system, like while it's live, to write your translations and it stores those in the database and they're cached. But then, David, you pointed out that you can then export it later to your PO files so that you can you know, take it out of the database in that way which I think is just really smart. It's really, really well thought out. Yeah. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps with many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app and a powerful CLI. It's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. And next up, we saw a blog post from Sophie De Benedetto on structured logging. So I've had to do this before with a system some time ago where the operations team wanted the data in this very specific format. And particularly, they wanted in a structured JSON logging format. The Elixir logger didn't do that. So I had to figure out how to make it do that. But one of the things I thought was cool is that she highlights this library called logfmt underscore ex. So it's like log format ex. And that helps output in structured key value logs. So it's not JSON logging but it is a structured logging approach. Sophie goes on and shows how you can integrate that with AppSignal if that's your logging backend that you want your data to go into. So it's a well-written article. I thought it was cool and it highlighted a library I hadn't noticed before. So appreciate that. All right, next up, we got improved keyboard navigation coming to Xdocs thanks to Angelika Taborska. It's coming in version 0.30.6 in Xdocs. So that means that as libraries continue to update, they'll ultimately update xdocs as well and ultimately get these new improved keyboard navigations there's a nice video that angelica posted in her mastodon account uh, we can go check that out but you know the basics are there right tab 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 you, you it's going to make more sense now where you travel <laughs> especially on the sidebar so very nice to see that and congrats and thanks to angelica and next up the membrane project adds a new pure elixir h264 parser if you're not familiar with it, H.264 is a very popular video codec. So to help people understand what was going on with this, the Membrane Framework created an article that covers, you know, H.264, what it is, why they did this, how they did this. There's a new Membrane plugin 
that's Membrane H.264 plugin, which makes it so the Membrane framework can now stream in H.264 format. But I just thought it was really cool that they created a pure Elixir parser for this and made that open source. That's just awesome. You know, if anyone's wanting to mess with H.264 with Elixir, this will be like the go-to place to start. Yeah, that's like the default video codec out there. So if you're doing anything video, like you probably ought to support that. You can get more efficient ones, but I, I, I don't keep track of all the licensing things uh, like H.265 and AV1 or something like that. But I'm not sure where things are there <laughs> D- device wise and licensing wise. Like it's kind of up in the air still. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, hardware that's already been tuned to use these codecs. So, yeah, you really do need to support it if you're going to be doing video. All right, next up is a REC, R-E-Q, the HTTP library by Wojtek Mach. The library was updated to 0.4, and in this is a breaking change. Uh, it's on how to manage headers. Headers used to be managed with keyword lists, I believe, which implied that keyword lists would allow you to have repeated keys in there, which is not really... Right. (laughs) I mean, you could technically do that. And I forget the details there, but it's never really valid to do it that way. But it can happen that way. Like if something's misconfigured anyway. So all that to say, I think the, the intentional use is to be like a map where keys are unique. And so that is the breaking change in rec. Yeah, so uh, I think in all of my uses of rec, I'm always messing with headers. So I guess I'll have to update something. But it's not all about this breaking change. There's also some really nice changes. So you might want some of these new features that are in 0.4, including request and response body streaming, which is really nice. You can stream directly to a file even if you want to. It makes it easier, right, to do that. I I think generally with like, especially with files, you should default to like streaming that out because it's just going to be better for everyone. It's better for the server, better for the clients. So it's nice to see that being supported in a high-level library like Rec. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one because I've been playing with some of those streaming body responses and this just makes that smoother and the API for it looks really nice. So can't wait to try it out. I've had to deal with some WebSocket APIs or streaming stuff, mm. which just requires me to like, at the time, go down to like Mint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would have to go back to, to count, but it, I swear it was like 200 lines of code to manage this thing. You know, it's like to actually extract away all the things that I didn't want to mess with and then focus on the frames that were coming in. And that, that was a WebSocket like text stream, right? Streams can be a bunch of different things. But anyway, I'm happy to see it being encapsulated in something easier to use like Rec. And last up, as we record this, ElixirConf hasn't started yet. And by the time you hear this, it will be over. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happened in the meantime that uh, we can't talk about. So we will certainly want to be talking about that in the future. But we just did want to point out that Jose Valim reminded us that he's giving his keynote and it's going to be the closing keynote on Friday. And it's titled The Foundations of the Elixir Type System. His goal being to explain the core concepts and trade-offs of the type system work that they've been doing. So that's going to be really neat just to see where things are at, how things have gone so far and where they want to go with it in the future and next. So just as a reminder... The keynotes for the conferences are typically released fairly early after the conference, so we can look for that pretty soon. And the rest of the talks are usually released much later. Looking forward to some of the cool stuff that's going to be coming out. Can't wait to be able to talk about that. And I'm sure we'll be inviting more people on to share some of their interesting explorations and discoveries too. Well, that's it for the news. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. 
We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir. 